Welcome to Episode 7 of Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church and producer of this series. In Episode 4, I reviewed the five common literary characteristics of the seven letters. If you'd like to hear that again, please visit the video archive on our YouTube page or listen to a podcast version on our Podbean site or at the digital library page at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. Also, if you have not already viewed Episode 2, which is a primer on numerology and revelation, I urge you to do so since understanding how John used numerology is critical to understanding this series of programs on Revelation. I had planned to discuss both the sixth and the seventh letters in a single episode, but the availability of some historic art and some recent photography has caused me to split the presentation into two parts, with this episode focused only on the letter to the church at Philadelphia. That will make this episode slightly shorter than our usual target of 20 to 22 minutes. The sixth letter is addressed to the church at Philadelphia, located 30 miles from Sardis. It was the youngest of the seven churches. Philadelphia was named after the brother of the founder of Pergamos, based upon the Greek word for brotherly love, philia. The ruins of Philadelphia lie near the modern-day Turkish city of Alashier. It is often called, based on the text, the Faithful Church. Here is chapter 3, verses 7 to 13, illustrated with a modern photograph of the ruins of Philadelphia. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The letter to the church at Philadelphia is the second letter in a row to use a verse from the prophet Isaiah, but it is the only one to evoke Isaiah's prophecy concerning the key of David. 
in this opening greeting, Jesus is not only the one who is holy and the one who is true, but the one who holds the key of David. Jesus alluded to the key of David in his encounter with the Pharisees, recounted in Matthew 12, verse 52, accusing the Pharisees of keeping the people from the, quote, key of knowledge. Isaiah wrote, The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder, so he shall open and no one shall shut, and he shall shut and no one shall open. That's Isaiah 22, verse 22. The phrase, the key of David, in Latin, based on St. Jerome's Vulgate Bible, is translated as clavis David. He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens, as used in the traditional O antiphon service for Advent and has been since the 12th century. You can read the full text of the O antiphon service in the AIC publication, Occasional Services for Anglican Worship, which is available from the AIC bookstore and at Amazon.com by entering either my name or the book title in the search box. As the greeting continues with another revelation of divine power, I know your works, the open-shut terminology is used again in verse 8, in which Jesus lays claim to control over the open door, which he says remains open for those who, quote, have kept my word and have not denied my name. The assessment of the situation at Philadelphia includes another reference to a synagogue of Satan, which I discussed in episode 5 concerning the letter to the church at Smyrna in chapter 2, verse 9. It adds the accusation that these Jews tell lies. Some scholars argue that the concept of Jesus holding open the door might also refer to a welcoming of Christians who were excommunicated from the synagogues by the Jews at Philadelphia. The open door image appears again in more fully developed form in the letter to the church at Laodicea, which I will discuss in episode 8. One of the phrases used in most Western translations of the Bible includes the statement that the Jews at Philadelphia will be made to, quote, come and worship before your feet. In the Greek manuscripts of Revelation, the phrase is translated to say that Jews will be made to come and, quote, show homage before their feet. This is a case in which the NKJV editor's choice of worship is misleading. Traditional doctrine for both Jews and Christians, based upon the first commandment, is that the faithful worship only God and not other human beings or idols. As we will see later in Revelation, John himself is rebuked twice by an angel for falling down before him as if to worship. Do not do that, the angels say in Revelation 19 verse 10, and again in 22, verses 8 and 9. The corrective action for the Philadelphians is a command to persevere, found in verse 10. 
This is solid traditional Christian doctrine that Christians must uphold their faith even under adversity. The term hour of trial is a term taken from the apocalyptic writings of Daniel in his vision of the end times in Daniel 12 verse 2 and will be developed by St. John more fully in later chapters of Revelation. In the early church, the expectation was that the second coming would be soon, as in Jesus saying, I am coming quickly. The Greek word which describes his coming again in the near future is parousia. Christian doctrine is that the second coming will happen in God's time, not earthly time, and the faithful must be ready for it whenever it comes. In the letter to the church at Philadelphia, the one who overcomes, an expression used in several of the earlier letters, and which is used again in the letter to Laodicea, they received a promise in verse 12, a place as a, quote, pillar in the temple of my God. Upon these faithful will be written the name of God and the name of the new Jerusalem, a reference to the heaven and heavenly kingdom to come. John refers to the coming of the new Jerusalem in more detail in Revelation chapter 21. This image is similar to the words on the headband worn by the Hebrew priest, worthy to the Lord. In the Christian community, the common people, or in modern terms, the laity of the church are given a place of honor in the church along with the clergy. Taken together, verses 10 through 12 in the summary mean the same thing as saying, as Jesus did earlier in Revelation in the letter to the church at Sardis in chapter 3, verse 4, that the names of the faithful will be written in the book of life. The phrase, my new name, in verse 12, refers to the name of Jesus Christ after the second coming, that is, the one who holds the key of David, spoken of in verse 7, the one who shuts and no one can open, the one who opens and no one can shut. Next time, in episode 8, the focus will be on the final letter addressed to the church at Laodicea and some summary observations about the message of the seven letters in the context of the book of Revelation. Thank you for joining me for Episode 7 in Revelation and Idealist Interpretation. You can help us keep this kind of programming on the air, on the Internet, in several ways. You can make a contribution by sending a check payable to Anglican Internet Church to our business office address, 7162 Southwind Lane, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23111. Or you can purchase books from our bookstore at either our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, or our Podbean site, www.stjohnc.podbean.com, from either of those pages, you'll be taken to our new e-store where you can order any of our current publications. The books are also available on Amazon.com by entering a book title in the search box. 
or you can further indicate your support by clicking the like and follow buttons on the Podbean site, www.stjohnc.podbean.com, which is the host for our extensive collection of over 400 MP3 podcasts on a variety of topics and scripture readings. You can also like and follow us on our Facebook page. The full Facebook address is on the screen, but you can use the direct link to Facebook from our homepage, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. And using that link, once you've reached the Facebook page, you can bookmark it for easy return. Both contributors and book purchasers can request to become a distance member and receive the weekly update, which goes out usually on Fridays and contains the latest news, plus links to the latest podcasts, videos, publications, and tweets. Send your request to be added to the list to me at frron.stjohnanglican at earthlink.net. If you'd like to speak with me personally about this program or any other topic, please call on my cell phone, 804-306-1190. Best times are 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. If you don't reach me, please leave a message and a best time to call back. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.